Kevin. Hey, Mike. How you doing, man? Good. Good to get back together and talk about some music. All right. Let's go. <laughs> What's on your mind today? Well, you know, I was thinking we could talk a little bit. Well, there are... We've... We've discussed in the past about how many jobs there are in music now, right? I mean, there's a ton of things you can do in the in the music profession. I'm, I like hearing someone say that because because you know people don't always think it's a viable right. living, and I I emphatically think they're wrong. Yeah, I think parents when their child says, "I want to be a musician," oh no, the parents at the university though when students come in though. They'll ask, so what kind of job can you get with a music degree? And none. The degree doesn't give you a job. <laughs> no one's ever asked for my diploma. It's the it's the skill base. And there's lots of lots of people who get law degrees who've never passed the bar. Yeah. Well, I will, I have a master's degree in English, and no, nowhere ever in any of my professions has anybody ever asked me f- to see my degree or what kind of degree I had or if I even had a degree. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I, I mean, universities originally were not about vocation. They were more about improving the person, making them well-rounded, and then they could do whatever job they want, and then they get specialized information for the direction they want to go. A lot of people with law degrees do many other things besides right. law. Well, I think, too, I mean, for, for a long time, I've been uh, in my years of, of going to school and education, I remember being taught, if you will, or told that the what an education does for you, what it should do for you, is is help you learn how to learn. Yeah, that's perfect. perfectly said. Um, so anyway, when you talk about all the things that you could do with, a, uh, you know, having studied music or being in the, in the world of music, uh, my favorite of them all is performing. Yeah, it's where the money is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's where a lot of the money is. Um, it's just, I think people confuse the role that talent plays in this they think if you're talented you go and try to do some gigs and you're not making money you're like well the music business is terrible but you you wouldn't go about being a doctor that way i'm talented i think i'm just gonna go try to be a doctor i don't want that guy working on me you know (laughs) it's 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 all it's all skill and craft and it's also being an entrepreneur like you're you're self-employed you're running a business it's not just show up and play the 15 songs you wrote, which I'm still, everyone should write music. It's just don't don't try to make a living and unless you're willing to do all the other work that's involved. So that's why I say of all the different jobs that you could get in music, uh, I think the heart and soul of it are the, at least my favorite thing to do is to go out and play for people. And I think that's the way you feel too about what you do. Yeah, I, absolutely. I also think it's always been that way i you know we're we're going through this stuff the last 15 years uh talking about streaming music and how little apple or spotify pay the artists who are on there and uh they do they pay almost nothing but uh, you know i know lots of people who've had record deals right and they make almost nothing either mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know they, they'll get paid up on um an upfront sum. Let's say they give you a hundred thousand dollars, right? That's not that's not a payment. It's a it's a loan against what you sell. 
you know, if you don't sell enough CDs, they're just paying you ahead of time for you selling product, kind of. This is why, like, TLC, the, the hip-hop group that's from Atlanta, they went bankrupt while they had number one songs because their contract required them to do a certain level of touring with a certain amount of cost. And, you know, they were spending more than they, than they were selling. They, they, they just hadn't figured it out yet. They did eventually. I mean, you know where that group goes, but they're great. It's, it's just that this idea that you make money off of these other things, I think it's it's a nice dream that people have. I'm just going to write songs, I'm going to release a record, and then I'm going to sell millions of them and make all this money. And my experience is it doesn't, I mean, that can happen, but it seems pretty rare. The ones who seem to do the best are the ones who are out performing yeah. all the time. I think um, for a long time in the, uh, like in the rock and roll business in in that era which is still going on of course but um a lot of the conversation about recording was the the record is going to make us popular enough that when we go out and perform there's going to be a lot of people who will buy tickets and then buy merchandise (laughs) and that's where we'll make our money is performing as opposed to uh I mean, we touched on some of this when we were talking about, you know, music business versus the business of music. But, you know, to focus on the performing thing, it it was really brought into stark contrast for me during the pandemic. Because um, I've been performing, I don't know, four or five times a week for three decades, you know, except for family vacations and stuff. Um you know, the cool thing about that, Mike, is I spent more time with my kids than people with nine to fives because I'm working while they're asleep. Yeah. You know, I'm home with them, everything. But um, during the pandemic, suddenly we're not performing for people. It's not that you need applause. There's something almost intangible about the way the relationship with the audience is to your music that, that really matters. And it's, it's not... I mean, everyone likes being clapped for, you know, recognition, but there's something alive about it. And when suddenly none of us, mm-hmm. me and my music friends, none of us are performing, it was it was emotionally challenging. Mm-hmm. And then even when we started doing streaming concerts, that's not the same either. You know, you, you, you're just not there. And the music itself is not as alive when you don't have this participation. And I, you know, I think it's important for when I teach students to talk about that that when you're a musician, your your job is to hopefully improve other people's lives, lift their spirits, provide some respite from the 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 dreary dust of the world, you know, however you want to say it. That's what we're playing for. My general feeling is the most successful musicians are in love with music not in love with recognition and what they love about music is how important a role it plays in the actual performing and producing the music and you see that it communicates if it's good you can see that the feel that the audience is enjoying it that's you you know this this is something that uh, sometimes jazz musicians (laughs) don't get it especially young students 
I, I use this analogy at the university often. Let's, let's say you have a rock band, a spying rock band, and you've learned some covers, but you've already, you really want to do your own music and get this job at this, this local bar. They have sports games on the television, whatever, and then you play and no one's listening to you. And when that band goes home, they're going to be like, man, we suck. We've got to figure out how we can reach these people. Why are we doing wrong? Jazz band, young guys, they go in there, they play. No one listens to them, and they go home and say, "Man, these Atlanta audiences suck. They don't, uh, they don't, they're not educated. They don't understand music. They don't understand what we're trying to do up here." I think that's the, I think that's the wrong point of view. My my favorite musicians, regardless of genre, have this deep level of artistry that also relates to who, whoever they're playing for. I'm not saying sell out or anything, but you know when 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 the performance is in a way that includes the audience, not as a mere spectator, but as as part of the thing. Sometimes some of the most amazing things happen. What I was thinking about as you were talking about that is that it's kind of two kinds of gigs that that I wind up with these days, and and a lot of it we get uh, we get hired to play for special events. Mm-hmm. And those special events are big parties. And you got a couple of hundred people that are, you know, talking and drinking. And, and the music is important because it moves the party along. It enthuses uh, the participants in the party. But they're not sitting there and listening. They're talking to each other and drinking and stuff. And so it's, to a certain extent, it's background. Uh, and and so that's that's that kind of gig, <laughs> but then uh, like the other night I had a performance where the my trio we went out and played and it was people sitting there in a about seventy or eighty people in a club, and they came to listen to what was going on on the stage, and it was uh, I'd played so many of these events recently that I forgot we finished a song and all of a sudden everybody was applauding and went, wow, <laughs> that's <laughs> <right>. oh, cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've done all these kinds of gigs. Um, even when you're playing background music, there's always someone. Yeah, somebody. Always someone really. Somebody with, into it. <laughs> if, if you play that way, if yeah, you play, right. I don't know, selflessly, if you're playing with because you love it and you're not just going through the motions. Yeah. You know, I, I don't enjoy professional bands where they, like, no one wants to be there and they're just playing these hits over and over yeah. just, just to make the money. That's that's not for me. Some of them might really enjoy it, though, but it's it's the going through the motions or phoning it in yeah. that I well, think I th- audience deserves better. Yeah, I think, too, again, from, from my perspective of only playing every so often, uh, I, I want to appreciate every moment that I have in the middle of a song <laughs> and and I want to give it everything that I have because I've worked hard to get ready for that gig and I'm um, playing with uh, I'm so fortunate to have uh, be surrounded by great musicians playing working with me and so I don't want to waste a moment of that I want to get every bit of joy possible out of that yeah and, yeah <laughs> me too it's hard <laughs> when, I, when, when I see you know like these masters, you know, these people we all love perform, uh, their ability to connect the whole time, sometimes it's just unreal. Mm-hmm. Thinking about like like um, Ray Charles, pretty much all of the all of the famous people. Willie Nelson, 
uh, Dolly Parton, when they get up and perform, they leave everything on the stage. I'm not saying they're 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 inhuman or perfect, but their ability to do it consistently is is amazing. In, in my case, you know, I try to get there, but it's I don't always. But I've had some some great experiences. What one I'm, I'm really fond of. Um, I was playing with Renee Marie, the great jazz singer and composer and musician. We were playing um, the Charlie Parker Jazz Festival up in New York. And um, it's, we're playing an outdoor amphitheater when we got for an act and the you know, audience is full, kind of like bleacher style, like, um, like an amphitheater with stone seats and chairs and stuff. And um, we started playing Them Their Eyes an old standard, Renee doesn't do a lot of standards, but there, there there was this older couple there. I'm gonna say they were at least their mid eighties, maybe nineties, and the audience said they were dressed to the nines. And evidently it was their their song or one of their favorite songs. They jumped up, jumped up into the aisle and started dancing like this dance with a lot of attitude, slow motion, mm-hmm. like like not not interject, but lots of attitude, just they're putting it all out there. And slowly the audience starts paying attention to them and we see them. So we keep going and we start accompanying them. And it became this whole moment where all of us reveled in the joy that these these two people were doing and the joy that we inspired them to get up and dance mm-hmm. and Mike and made the New York Times. I have a photo <laughs> of it. I'll see if I can put it on the website with this a photo of the two of them dancing that was on the on the it was on the front but beneath the fold of the New York Times back when back when papers were like that, you know. Uh just to be part of something like that, um it's a privilege. It's amazing. And I think that when you play music that way it, it it ends up being a lucrative thing. Not that you're doing it for the money, it's because you're doing it for other reasons. I, I would imagine this is true for any profession, that um, the more you actually love the thing as opposed to making the money, that's, that's probably a big difference. So what do you think the takeaway is? I guess the lesson to me is that as you learn to play, you learn to perform. And you learn that music is a communicative art and that if you if you love to play then you love to perform you love to communicate with uh, with an audience how how about this not trying to be too zen about it but when you serve you succeed music is a service right You're playing for your audience. Yeah, playing for people. 